Hi, and welcome to the Hello Live podcast brought to you by the Hello Foundation. I'm your podcast host, Kelly Bodden, and I'm a speech language pathologist based in Portland, Oregon. You will receive 30 minutes of free CEUs for listening to this episode in its entirety. I'll give you instructions on how to document your participation at the end of the episode. I'll also tell you how to get in touch with any questions or comments you have for us. But for now, sit back and enjoy the show. I am so glad to be here today uh, sharing one of my personal passions of working with adults with ASD and their need for social skills. We're going to talk today specifically about one case study, a client and all the identifying information will be changed, but uh, it will definitely give you a flavor of what happens when kids leave school and what the experience often is like. I haven't served lots and lots of these clients. Um, I've served a few, and frankly, I would love to serve a lot more, and I think the demand for this is only going to increase. So I'm glad to do this podcast so that others will have a starting place in their community when they start to uh, face this clientele that's going to grow up and face us. The two learning objectives I would like to go over today and make sure you walk away with at the end of our 30-minute discussion is one uh, for the post-18, post-school environment is that as students, our students grow up, and we all accept that, but so do their social skill needs. So the experience we have um, in anticipating what they might need and what we taught in high school actually is very different. And I worked for 10 years in with adolescents, probably actually a little longer than that, and work with lots of high school students on social skills. And it turns out that we're going to have to really frame our thinking differently to address their needs as adults. And I've sort of uh, learned that the hard way, (laughs) in an interesting and a good way, but I've really broadened my thinking. The second learning objective that I would like people to have uh, in their frame of reference is that metacognitive skills do not equal metasocial skills. Oftentimes, as adults, these clients are very bright, very comfortable. They have spent a lifetime working on different strategies, and they've learned a great deal about their own thinking. However, there's this expectation, because they present often very skilled, is that some of this, now that they've learned the rules, is becoming intuitive, but it's not. And so that is, uh, I'm often reminded directly of that by my clients. That's another piece about working with adults is they can be very direct with you. <laughs> and I am notoriously bad for using ambiguous language and or innuendo and uh, figurative words, and I get called on that all the time. So that is a nice, nice reality check for me and opportunity for growth, we shall say. The client I want to share with you today, her name is Maria. She is 30 years old. She wants to uh, be married and have kids. That was her objective when she met me. At that point, she was uh, living independently. She did not work outside of the home, but she was very involved politically and with lots of volunteer work uh, in areas that were personally passionate to her. But she definitely... I feel wanted to settle down and she wanted to, she had relationships with men and women, uh, not necessarily close, but, uh, she knew what she was missing and desired to be married and have children of her own. And so 
when I asked, you know, what is your objective? And she shared that. I said, okay, well, that's a really big objective. <laughs> Let's talk about what are the barriers to getting you to that point? Where, what are you doing now? And where are you getting stuck? And she often articulated, she goes, well, I need somebody to give me feedback because I can get through a first date, but I'm not getting a second date. And I said, great. Okay. So when we met, uh, and I went to her apartment, that's where we met. She was most comfortable there. Uh, she, I was somewhat anticipating to talk about how do you get a first date and how do you present? And I was a little taken aback. That shows my assumptions going into it that she said, no, she had two to three first dates a week, uh, at various coffee shops, meeting people and, that is when I, who happened to have been married for the last 20 years, uh, really, maybe fortunately or not fortunately, depending on how you look out at it, missed the online dating revolution. And so she has, between Match.com and OkCupid and uh, eHarmony and all the different kinds of services, she has uh, her profile out there in the world. And she likes it because, you know, it's very descriptive and she can be very concrete about here's what I want to share versus what I don't want to share. Um, she definitely learned that there are, cause I, I reflect back on high school students I've worked with and we talk a lot about public versus private information and safety issues and all that, especially with young women. And, uh, she's got that down, which that was great to see in the next step. So she, now she's got this online profile and she periodically gets matched to these different people or people contact her and express an interest. And she says her, her perception is that I might as she doesn't know if she's going to like someone. So she is very willing to meet someone for coffee and which is very open of her because I think a lot of us Primarily, I should just speak for myself. I'm sure I would have been very discriminating on who would be appealing or not, but she keeps an open mind because she's very aware that her social skills, uh, you know, that they could have the same social skills challenges. I think that's interesting. Maybe not a disability, but they may not present best in an email communication or in a photo. So she wants to give people the benefit of the doubt, which I really praise her for. So, she goes to the coffee date and I say, well, how does that go? She goes, well, the coffee date goes absolutely great. And it seems to be delightful, but then I can't figure out why we're not getting, they never call me again. Nobody. It's not like some of them, it's all of them. And so at that point I sort of had her walk me through what happens on the coffee date. What do you talk about? And, you know, I said, what are you doing? Right. What are you struggling with? And she talked about, she felt she was doing a good job because she knew to take, to not dominate the conversation. She did turn taking, she asked questions about them. All of that sounded great. And then I had her role play how things ended and she was completely at the end of it was just, she said, well, we go out onto the curb and the date is over. And I tell them, uh, you know, thanks and bye. And I'm walking away and leaving. Well, the way we described it, and then we role played it where I was, you know, Alex or whoever she was on the date with, she literally turned on her heel and walked away because in her mind, the date's over, even though you're still on the, you're on the sidewalk, you're not in the coffee shop anymore. And even though he's saying goodbye, culturally, goodbye is not a hello, goodbye. 
and you transition. It's sort of this lingering, okay, well, maybe I'll call you, maybe not. And when you just cut it off and say goodbye, she left. And so I said to her, the message that you're sending is that uh, you're really done as in done altogether. You don't want to see them again. And she was like, oh, well, that's not what I want to present. So we role-played how to do that and the different environments. Um, the nice part is because she has so many grounded skills in the, or metacognitive skills, she definitely picks up on that. You don't have to keep going over it. Like students with high school or adolescents, you have to repeat things lots of times, and, and every example is new and novel. She had really moved past that point where she could then apply it independently. It also is a statement on how does therapy go in schools where you kind of have this, I'll see you every week and we'll work on something Adult clients really have a specific target in mind. And so when you hit that target, she was really ready to be done with me until she needed to learn the next thing. So the next thing, actually, she started getting several second dates. And I got a call a couple of months later. And her question was, you know, I'm dating a gentleman. He's He's very nice. I like him, but he definitely uh, never tries to kiss me, never holds my hand. And she goes, I think he's being really respectful because he still keeps going out with me. But what do I, you know, how do I indicate, you know, that I, it's okay to, that I want to be kissed. And so at that point, we're entering definitely an adult level of conversation <laughs> with, uh, even though in reality, I know adolescents are kissing and holding hands, um, but a lot of our students with these kind of social challenges aren't maybe having those experiences because they're struggling with that base friendship. Um, other kids, I think, as adolescents are at risk for being taken advantage of by others in this arena, especially young women. So, I realized that the whole spectrum is out there and I'm not trying to say, um, you know, you should wait till kids or adults or adults to have these conversations. But I did have someone recently say, I can't believe that you were helping her get a kiss goodnight as a speech pathologist. And I said, you know what, it's all about communication and it's still within the realm of appropriate that I, cause it's somewhat in a public setting still. We're not behind someone's private closed doors. So I said to her, uh, well, what you want to do? I said, do you want to kiss a lot? I said, do you, are we, I said, are you just looking for a kiss goodnight? She goes, no, I'd like to start with just a kiss goodnight. I said, then that's great. I go, the language you want to use is, would you please walk me to my door? And she looked at me and she's like, what's that got to do with getting a kiss goodnight? <laughs> like, what kind of message does that send? And I said, it sends two very important messages. One, nobody's going to walk you to your door for the sake of walking you to your door. They will understand that you're wanting a kiss goodnight. And secondly, you're not getting past the door. And that's important because sometimes it's harder for our clients to set those kinds of limits and know, like, what does this lead to? So she was very successful, got her kiss goodnight, very giddy, contacted me. I hear from her a couple of weeks later, and uh, she, we then had what was somewhat the final discussion before I, I presumed it went behind closed doors and I don't want to know, or maybe it didn't, but I felt it was out of my realm of discussion. But she really talked about how do I indicate a physical interest in someone? And uh, she goes, you know, even on a date, how do I do that? So I gave her the 
tip, that's when we started talking about proximity and we started talking about uh, how proximity communicates something and physical touch will communicate something and how you have to be careful. You know, part of the reason I was comfortable talking about this is I think, again, it's a safety issue. You have to be careful how you touch somebody. And if you're not familiar with those social rules, you don't want to get that wrong. So I talked about touching someone on their shoulder. You know, they tell a funny joke, you lean over, touch them on the shoulder. Oh, that was so funny. You know, then, but then pull that, pull that hand away. Um, that's going to send a message that I'm close to you. I'm interested in you. I'm comfortable with you. And, you know, you're going to get a reaction in that regard. And sure enough, she did, uh, we had uh, some great conversations. She called very appreciative. She said that to, even to this day, she tells me, uh, that single handedly was the best piece of advice you ever gave me, you know, that that proximity and touch really can influence a dating scenario. And I said, absolutely. So I didn't hear from her for several years. Um, she contacted me recently and said, asked to get together again because she had a new challenge. She was, uh, let's see, how do I kind of frame the whole story short in a very short few words. She actually got to the point where she got engaged with a gentleman and it was, she was very excited and they were moving forward. And then as sort of their plans got closer, he changed his mind about having children. And for her, that was a deal killer. And so as hard as it was, and they still liked each other, she said she needed to step away. So her response to that was she's got to get right back up on that horse and start getting distracted by maybe having back to the coffee dates. Except in the time that she was doing coffee dates, the whole revelation of speed dating had come into uh, play. And so she thought she would try some of these speed dating things. And she had done several before she had called me. And she said, okay, now my problem is that the exchange happens so fast. There's no way I can assess if I like them, let alone if they like me. She goes, so I've decided uh, that I just want to send the message. I want to be an approachable, likable person so that any, anybody might contact me and, you know, or check me off or match with me, however that may go. And then I can go to coffee date with them. And I thought, well, that's pretty brilliant. Again, another indication that her metacognitive skills are really, really high, even socially having an awareness that, that's not enough time for her to make a decision socially, I thought was pretty impressive. So I said, uh, why am I here then? And she said, I need to learn why I'm not getting picked. Like nobody was matching with her. And so I said, wow. Okay. So the approach we took on this one was instead of walking through it, I said, well, let's role play it. You know, I'll be date 27, Alex. And, you know, meaning they're all apparently assigned numbers at these speed dating rounds, or at least the ones she attends. And so Alex was 27 and I, uh, sit down and I, I say, you know, hi, I'm Alex. And she has practiced, you know, she's not real comfortable with eye contact, but she, you know, definitely shares good eye contact. She shakes my hand. And then when we sit down at the little table, she's like leaning in. And she's leaning in, uh, almost looks like she's kind of draping herself on the table. And I, and she's, uh, 
lovely lady with a strong figure and this strong figure would, you know, sort of be laying on the table. And I, I'm looking at her and I finally stopped talking and I said, what are you doing? I said, you're laying on the table. And she goes, no, I'm not. I'm leaning in because everything I read online and in the books and all those good things, you know, definitely tell people that, you know, you should lean in. And I said, well, yeah, but then you lean back out. And she said, lean out? And I said, yeah, you don't keep leaning in. I go, if somebody says something interesting, you kind of quickly lean in and maybe, you know, tap the table or, you know, kind of wave your hand in the air. And she said, oh, that's so, I like to do that too. And then you lean back out. And she said, oh my gosh, I can't believe all of this time. Everyone talks about leaning in. No one says lean out. And I said, Absolutely. So we talked really about posture and how you present yourself and how uh, in that kind of environment you have really just a snapshot of a couple of minutes. So posture and presentation matters. So whereas before we were really talking about um, how to send that message of engagement on a one-to-one level, here this was more how do you carry yourself uh, in a very brief setting to a variety of different people. And uh, we worked on posture. We worked on what to do with their hands. Uh, she was absolutely uh, delightful in terms of um, really picking up on things quickly, and we practiced it. But fundamentally, and this is where we go back to the second objective, is how she 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 would struggle, and I would constantly correct her, and we'd role play, role play, role play. And she finally said, you know, everything that you know intuitively, and I'm sharing this line because I thought it was so insightful, I should share it with every speech path I could ever run into. She goes, but everything you know intuitively, I have, I have practiced and memorized and learned the rules, and I still rely on that. And as you're adding things, my cognitive load, she didn't use that phrase, I did, but her cognitive load, she goes, it's just one more thing I'm having to learn and memorize and juggle in this rapid moment. And so at that point, I kind of scaled down all the suggestions I was making. (laughs) We stuck to posture and when to lean in and out and how fast that should happen and what would be an appropriate context for that. And uh, so that's, that's the case of Maria. And uh, that's about the time that we have. But I'm really hoping that The two things that you take away again are one, adults are going to set their own objectives and therapy because of that may be very short term, but it may cycle back to you as they need the next objective and what they find relevant to their lives. So as our students grow up, so do their social needs. And you may be surprised at what people honestly want to ask for. And you might also realize that sometimes they can't articulate what they need, and you have to do a bit of the problem solver to identify when is that breaking down. Uh, recently, she asked me, I, I don't want to look awkward in social situations, and she couldn't break it down much more than that. And so we're doing it a little digger, uh, digging a little deeper on our own. But, um, you know, this is something that is going to have to. As she says, this isn't low-hanging fruit. I know I'm going to have to work to understand this. And I thought that was really insightful. And then, of course, uh, don't make assumptions that 
folks that have learned all these amazing skills that we have taught in the schools, K through 12, in terms of social skills. They have these masterful metacognitive skills, but it doesn't mean they're going to have the metasocial skills and they're not going to be able to handle, you know, additional cognitive load without somebody breaking it down for them. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. And I hope this case study was interesting. And if you have any questions, you're welcome to contact me. And I appreciate Kelly taking the time to chat. Congrats, you just earned 30 minutes of CEUs approved by the Oregon State Board of Examiners. Wasn't that easy? To document your participation, please visit www.thehellofoundationschools.com slash CEU. You can also find the blog post for this and all of our episodes at www.thehellofoundationschools.com. This is the best way to get in touch with our guest with your questions and comments. And if you want updates about upcoming shows and opportunities to participate, check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon.